In this episode, we talk about our new strategy here at Fort Evansville, and we want to invite you to check out a webpage that we created that talks about this in more detail. You can go to forevansville.org slash forward. Now let's get into the episode. Hey everybody, welcome to the For Evansville podcast. My name's Jonathan. I'm the president and executive director of For Evansville, and I'm here with Sarah, our director of operations. And uh, we're excited for our sort of end of the year podcast episode. It's been a little bit since we released our last podcast episode about the Evansville Riverfront. Yeah. And uh, that's due in part to the fact that um, Adrian is out of the office for a while because she just had twins. Two babies. Which is pretty impressive. Yeah. I can't think that there's anything in my entire life that I'll ever do <laughs> that's more impressive than that. And so. to go from... Uh, Having two kids to now four in one day is, uh, is yeah, double. That's, that's a lot of kids. That is uh, a that's an impressive feat. But they're doing yeah. well. Everyone's doing well, and we're excited to to get to celebrate with her more as she gets to come back here in a few months. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so it's just me and Sarah today doing kind of uh, an end of the year uh, look back at some of the highlights from this year, but also we're excited to share some details about where Fort Evansville is headed in 2024, Yeah, um, which is a pretty big deal because um, we've had some pretty big shifts this year and kind of have developed a, a new strategic plan behind um, our mission and vision that we released earlier this year. So it'll be exciting to, to kind of give people uh, a, a comprehensive look at what that is. Yeah, and if you don't know anything about 4Evansville, uh, hopefully you do, but if you don't really know, you're going to learn a lot because you're going to learn some new things that we're doing. Um, a lot of what we've done in the past, we're still going to do and be a part of those conversations and um, convening people together and really celebrating some of the things that are going on in the city and sharing the needs and dreams of the city. But also we think there's a lot more opportunity for us to kind of be a backbone to some of these things that are happening. So we're excited yeah. about it. Yeah. It's also probably worth mentioning that this will be um, probably the last podcast episode that we'll release for a little bit. Usually we take a break kind of at the end of the year, beginning of the year and start the podcast back up in like February or March. So, um, yeah, if, if you want to stay in touch with us, make sure you follow us on social media and, and stuff like that. But because it's our last podcast for a little bit, I'm curious, Sarah, do you have, are you like a, a New Year's resolution kind of person or yeah. not so much? Usually I try to do something this year was I started going to the gym. Okay. I did that. I, you know, it's like a classic one I get, but like, I think I did that about three months pretty oh, consistently nice. and then just stopped. But yeah, um, yeah, I don't know if I have one, maybe I, I had a couple good years of like really good routines and yeah. I'm realizing this year it's like the end of this year it's like gotten off those. I just want to get back on some of those, yeah. especially yeah. morning routines. Yeah, I think morning routines are really nice, even if they're small. For a while this year, I was getting in the habit of uh, before I would do anything else, I would just put on my clothes and go for a walk. Mm. And that was like a simple, small thing that 
really kind of set my tone for the rest on your of the work day. clothes let's just be clear here you're walking down yes yeah, right okay. yeah getting dressed for my yeah, day gotcha uh yes and then would go uh walk around the park that's close to my house so that was really nice yeah but uh i know you've mentioned before that atomic habits was mm-hmm. like a really big deal for you whenever you first encountered that and i'm trying to embrace more that uh mindset of small incremental changes rather than committing to like a big new year's resolution. And then, uh, I, I just inevitably fail (laughs) sticking with those. Yeah. I think that's the thing is if you can do small things, you feel like I did that. Yeah. Um, but for so often we feel like that's not enough. I need to do more. But I actually was saying in my head last night and this morning, um, to myself, like make a decision for who you want to be. Like, um, every choice you make is a decision for who you want to be. And it's like, um, the decision, like he talks about Atomic Habits, not that this is a podcast about Atomic Habits, but I get excited about that book, yeah. is that, you know, um, it maybe it's not like, maybe the decision you want to be is not just to go to the gym. It's to be a person who exercises yeah, and, is, right. you know, takes care of themselves in a different way. Um, so thinking of those in different ways, but every decision you make. So like if I lay in bed 30 minutes longer instead of getting up and reading, yeah. I'm not becoming a person who wants to, you know, grow some side of myself. So. Right, yeah. Yeah, good stuff. Well, speaking of changes, yeah. I feel like this year has been kind of a, a big year of for Evansville sort of figuring out what the future looks like and um, and sort of like, I don't know, not, uh, not really changing direction, but re-envisioning how we're going to get there, I think maybe would be a, a good way to say that. Um, earlier this year, we uh, released kind of a, a refocused vision statement and mission statement. We talked about how we want to be about advancing human flourishing through the church and went into detail about what we think that looks like. And then a lot of the work this year has been around figuring out how are we going to do that, you know, and what does it look like to advance human flourishing through the church? Yeah. And those are kind of two key pieces of what we want to be. And um, I don't know, maybe before we jump into kind of the strategic plan piece, uh, whenever you think about that idea of advancing human flourishing, what are some things that come to mind for you that would be a good description of what we mean by that? Yeah, and I think think that's a great question because I think the word flourishing is something that I had not used much. Yeah, Um, and now we use it all the time. We use it all the time here, here, but also I feel like I'm hearing it in other spaces, a lot of other places as well. And I think the idea of flourishing is like, we want everyone to have everything that they need to be successful, you Mm -hmm. know, to have every opportunity that every um, need that is, that is available is available to every person. Um, And I think we want everyone to have the ability to flourish, to really um, exceed in all things, but also just have the basic needs met. Some of those things in our city. Um, And we think about, you know, um, the opportunity to do that through people that we know and through the church, through um, something that we think is a really unique and beautiful opportunity for the church to be in our city. But yeah, I think a flourishing is just an opportunity to everyone has what they need um, to be the best versions themselves and everything is to make them feel valued and loved and cared for. Yeah, I think that's really good. And whenever I think about advancing human flourishing, I think of this idea of um, maybe along those lines of small incremental changes. It's sort of like... um, how do we become more of a place as a city where, um, where that's happening, you know, and how do we, how do we advance the level of 
human flourishing that's happening. And I think uh, exploring that question is really what gave birth to um, sort of our new strategic plan and direction because we began to ask where where are the barriers to flourishing yeah. in our city? And not just conceptually, but kind of like out in the world and like in our in our city, where do those barriers exist? And one of the things that we began to recognize as kind of a trend is a lot of those systemic barriers that that were sort of underneath the surface level challenges that people were facing. Um, a lot of those systemic barriers seem to overlap uh, on the lives of marginalized kids yeah. in our community. Um, when you think about it, children in our community sort of by default have less um, power and agency because uh, they can't vote, they don't have jobs, you know, they're, they're sort of, um, yeah, e even the fact that they, in the process of growing and developing, makes them uh, inherently more vulnerable than adults across the board in our city. Um, but when, when you think about children who are um, marginalized, experiencing poverty, um, and, and what we mean by marginalized is just, you know, sort of not in the central focus of, of where we see uh, our city operating kind of and flourishing happen. Yeah, push to the edges, yeah, to the edges yeah. is, is a good way to say that. Um, whenever you think about kids who are experiencing those circumstances, they're sort of the ones who, whenever there's something that's not working quite right in our city, um, when our city isn't for everyone, they're the ones who are most affected. Yeah. And so uh, we really sort of identified that if we can get folks from different areas of our city working together for the flourishing of marginalized kids, then that's going to mean addressing a lot of those systemic barriers. That's going to improve outcomes for those kids, but it's also going to improve outcomes for everybody in our city because uh, we're removing those systemic barriers and making our city more of a place where everyone can flourish. Do you feel like that's a good yes. summary of kind of why we... <laughs> Yeah, every time you, you share something like that, I'm like, yeah, that's good. Let's let's record that. Yeah. So I'm glad we recorded that. Well, I'm glad that. we're recording it this time, those. yeah. I, and I think, um, you know, something I think is important to highlight, you know, as we talk about an updated strategy and kind of our mission, I just want people to know this was this was a lot of work. It was it hard was, work. Yeah. It was a lot of times where we're sitting and, and I'm like, I can't think about it anymore. Like, I, yeah. like um, no, <laughs> I just, we're not making any progress, but we knew that something needed to change yeah. uh, in some capacity that a lot of people knew, hey, I've, I've heard of Forumsville, but I don't know what you do. Yeah. And um, how are you helping, you know, make these things better? And I think what our new strategy will do is, is have some specifics for that and be yeah. an, an opportunity for people to understand more of, of the value that our organization can play. Yeah. Well, I think it's important too for folks who are familiar with For Evansville to recognize that a lot of what we have done in the past, we will continue to do. Yeah. But a lot of this strategic focus has been around the recognition that if you just think about advancing human flourishing uh, on a broad scale, it's really hard to make actual progress toward that because it's so massive of an idea. But if you pick a specific focus and you say, this is an area where if we work together, we can make 
progress, um, then you begin to create alignment um, that gains more traction. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's sort of like, and this might be a silly, oversimplified analogy, but it's like the spray nozzle on your hose, you know, if it's on shower mode, um, you know, everything gets wet. But if you turn it to like the focused spray mode, it's got a lot of power and you can like clean off your sidewalk or whatever you yeah. do with that. So, um, so I, I think that's, that's what we're really aiming for is, is more uh, focused direction. And I think we've already seen that as we've started to talk to trusted partners about that plan and direction, that, that that alignment has just started to fall into place. And people are like, oh yeah, I can see how, the work we're doing in neighborhoods really fits well into that. And mm-hmm. the work that we're doing uh, through the school partnership network really fits well into that. And um, so it's been really encouraging as we've rolled out that plan to see, um, to see those pieces fall into place and that traction start to um, start to move even, even before we've really launched fully uh, yes, into that. And, and some of the things are based on, a lot of work that's already been happening. Good mm-hmm. work is happening at Evansville. Right. And we've tried to highlight some of that here on the podcast and um, through our organization, through events that we've done. But uh, we really think there's an opportunity to help kind of multiply that even more. Yeah, And that's something that we want to highlight, you know, going into 2024 as well as good work is happening at Evansville. Right. And we want to make sure that people know about that. Yeah. Yeah. And that for Evansville isn't, um, for Evansville isn't starting new uh, programs. We're not, we're not becoming a service provider, but rather uh, we're playing the role of uh, sort of creating alignment within this unified strategy of those organizations that have spent years building trust with marginalized kids and their families and really putting those leaders who have done that work in a position of leadership to drive that strategy forward and to help it expand and scale. And when we talk about expanding and scaling, what, what our specific goal is that we're talking about is um, right now those existing solutions that that we see in the community as really having a lot of traction in breaking the cycle of generational poverty. Um, they're serving about 1% of the 14,000 kids in our region who are experiencing poverty. And by the year 2030, we want to see that number grow to 40%, um, which is really aggressive growth. Yeah. Uh, we want to see 40% of marginalized kids in our five county region um, on a path to upward mobility by the year 2030. And um, I think there's a lot to unpack about that goal that we probably can't cover in this podcast, but listeners will be able to you know dig into that on our website and, and hear about it in detail. But uh, I'm, I'm curious... For you, Sarah, like whenever you think about that goal, we've we've talked about that a lot recently. It's been kind of at the forefront of a lot of our planning for several months. Um, and for me, I think it's felt more and more like this is the this is the direction that just I can't think of any other focus area that overlaps so many different dynamics and so many different partners. Uh, and so many different opportunities like this one does. So I get more and more excited about that goal and direction. 
I'm curious to hear like yeah. what are what have been some of your thoughts and reactions uh, as we've as we've I guess gotten our hands more around <laughs> that new uh, w- what I'm thinking of as as almost like a milestone towards our goal of advancing human flourishing through the church. We're saying, you know, this isn't this isn't the only milestone, but this is something we're going to shoot for that's going to move us in the direction we want to go. Yeah. I think it sounds amazing. Like, I think that's what, like, it sounds really, really good. And I think that the question people are probably, and we have gotten people asking us, great, how are we going to do that? You yeah. know, and that's, if you know me at all, that's usually my question yeah. in any meeting. Like, this sounds amazing. How are we going to do that? Right. Um, and that's part of my role is to help kind of think through yeah, some of those right. things as well. Um, and and I think, you know, knowing that when you say 1%, we're talking about a five-county region. Mm-hmm. So that's a pretty large region that we're talking about here. Um, around Evansville. Um, and 1% sounds like not that much, but 1% is something to celebrate too. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think right. that's amazing. Uh, but we also would all agree that it has to, has to be more, it has to get, yeah. get better. And I've seen people who are doing this work share very passionately to say that this is not, this is great. And we're going to continue to do this. And I'm so yeah. grateful for this, but we've got to do more. Yeah. Um, every organization wants to grow that. And so yeah. seeing that number and, and thinking 40% of, of, of kids, uh, on a path to upward mobility, which I would love for you to define a little bit what mm-hmm. you think that means, is something that gets me so excited because I've seen in my you know lifetime uh, a child who has a better opportunity makes a change and makes a difference in the world. If we got forty yeah. percent of those, wow! Yeah, what would this region look like in seven years? Right, if those are the kids that are then coming in and saying we're going to continue to make this happen. Yeah, yeah, we've we've talked a little bit about how those one percent are really exceptional stories. Yeah. And and probably a lot of us know stories like that, where it's like, yeah, I, I know this person who grew up in uh, really difficult circumstances and kind of against all odds, um, had the right people in their life to help them be successful. And now they're one of the most significant contributors to the flourishing of other people. Mm-hmm. And what we're saying is, what would it look like for Evansville to be a place where those stories aren't exceptional, where they become normal, and where uh, community flourishing is being, you know, kind of driven by those uh, kids uh, having those sort of opportunities and stuff. And so, um, yeah, to that question of of how, whenever I think about that 1%, um, those services reaching 1%, um, I think of that idea of the the power of f- focusing and starting small because the solutions that we're talking about are uh, kid centric and place based, and so both of those approaches are saying, "Hey, rather than picking a need that our organization can meet and focusing really broadly, we're going to s- we're going to focus really small, and we're going to say." We're going we're gonna to focus on a particular group of kids in a particular place, and we're going to do whatever it takes uh, for them to be successful. And we featured a lot of those stories on the podcast in the past uh, of this idea of doing what it takes. And what we've learned uh, from watching those stories unfold is that's such a powerful approach. Um, and now I think those leaders in the community who have sort of pioneered those solutions, they're saying, okay, this really works. And now uh, focusing small, that has to expand. And we have to be able to make that same promise to more and more kids because we know that it actually works and we know that it creates results. Um, And then the other layer of that is is 
place-based work. So focusing on specific areas where we know there are a lot of challenges and helping individuals not just navigate barriers, but remove barriers within specific neighborhoods and stuff. So when we think about how to get there, um, it, it really kind of looks like uh, addressing those systemic barriers together and saying, okay, how do we uh, create a network of people that are focused on expanding that kid-centric wraparound care kind of work? Um, how, do we, how do we organize folks who are focused on neighborhood initiatives? How do we organize a movement around school partnerships so that kids whenever they show up to school, they have everything they need to learn and grow. And the school has everything that it needs uh, to facilitate that learning and growth. And then how do we uh, sort of organize the different social service providers and economic opportunity providers in our community um, to make sure that we're removing barriers to upward mobility as well. So, Yeah. I mean, the idea of, um, it's really, it's got a name, Collective Impact, mm-hmm. and something that maybe you're familiar with that. Probably a lot of people are not, and that's not something that we're going to define. But what I think is really exciting about that and what's important to know is that there are, are other people doing this type of model. Yeah. And so we're not creating something brand new that we are right. learning from we people. We didn't invent this yeah. idea. Yeah. Uh, we're learning from people who know a lot about it, have studied it. There's a lot of data out there. Um, and so we're learning as they learn as well. And I think that's important to know. And again, that we are not, the people coming in and saying, here's what needs to happen. We want to come in and um, and just support the people who are already doing yeah. the really good work. Yeah, and it's I think it's a recognition, too, that um, solutions that work are driven by people who are closest to the work. And so we talked about organizations that have spent years building trust with kids and their families. We think that's so essential because nobody knows the – circumstances and stories um, and hopes and dreams of marginalized kids and their families better than than they do. Yeah. And so um, this strategic plan is is really aimed at how do we how do we elevate the voices and stories of those kids and families and elevate the voices of um, the organizations and leaders who are partnering closely with them, who've built trust, who understand and have relationships with them. Um, and how do we put them kind of in a position of leadership to affect the kind of changes that our community needs to make in order to be a place where they can flourish, you yeah. know? So uh, we've talked a lot about the advancing human flourishing side mm-hmm. of this. What about through the church? Yeah. What are some things that you want to share on that, Jonathan? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I really like our strategic plan because it really does kind of address those two different parts of our vision. And I think it's important to recognize when we talk about the through the church side that um, whenever we talk about folks who are already doing the work, I would describe many of them as the church, Mm -hmm. you know, that a lot of the work that's being done is being done by individuals who are motivated by their faith in Jesus and that the whole reason that um, they're engaged in this kind of work and that they give themselves to it um, is because of that faith and that the way that they conduct themselves in those relationships, having a posture of humility and service 
elevating the human dignity of all people in our city, that those things are sort of shaped and informed by qualities that they see uh, represented in, in the person of Jesus. And so um, it's not as if for Evansville is, uh, you know, bringing the church into a place that it's not already active. I think it's important to recognize the church is already active in those spaces and that it's not just the church that's active in those spaces, Absolutely. that there are um, lots of other people in our city who care about marginalized kids who are active in those spaces as well. And so whenever we think about the through the church part of what we do, um, I would say it's about helping more um, Christians and churches show up to those spaces and participate in that work in a way that is uh, humble and effective and that uh, advances the common good of our city in partnership with the people who are already there doing the work in partnership with uh, marginalized kids and families um, and in a way that really kind of reflects the true nature of Jesus who said, I didn't come uh, to be served, but to serve and to give my life, you know? And so, um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's about helping people understand uh, how to do that, helping them, approach that work with the right posture, helping them build the relationships to, to actually have proximity and not for it to be a transactional uh, thing, but then also to understand how maybe their most deeply held Christian beliefs um, connect to this kind of work and can help inform it. I think we've seen a big shift um, in our work a little bit and who, who our audience sometimes is mm -hmm. so often, you know, we, we, we do meet with church leaders quarterly and that's something that's really valuable. We've heard, I heard from a, a pastor this year and it was really, really um, important for me to hear that where he said, Hey, before this, these gatherings started, Adam wasn't meeting with other church leaders. Yeah, right. And I just think that's really important to know that that's something that we've been really intentional about for years. Before I was on staff, I was a church leader and, you know, went to a few of these and was like, I met a few people that I would have not have met if yeah. not for the opportunity for these gatherings. But what we also know, what you just said, I think is really important. And I think a lot of people resonate with this is that you don't have to be a church leader to be doing this work mm -hmm. in the sense of like a, a staff member or a, right. a lead pastor. Everyone is a leader in a lot of different ways. Right. And if you are um, someone who's a part of the body of, of believers, the church, not just an institutional place, you are someone doing this work. And yeah. um, we are talking to you. And I think that's something that's really important that we're making a shift of knowing that we talk about partnering with schools or you know, mm -hmm. uh, serving in a neighborhood or uh, wraparound care that's happening in some of these places in our city. We're not talking to just institutional buildings. We're talking to people, right? Um, yeah. And that might be you. And you may not be, you may not have the title lead pastor. You may not have the title, you know, whatever you know, at the staff. But you are, have an opportunity to be a part of this. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And I think, um, you know, part of part of the value proposition or the opportunity that we see is the fact that in our in the five county region that we're talking about, eighty four percent of people identify as Christian. And I think a lot of those people, um, maybe it doesn't come naturally to them to make a connection between their that faith perspective and identity and this kind of work. And so I think what we're trying to accomplish is um, not for this work to be 
exclusively done by the church or exclusively by Christians. Because again, we think that, well, one of our core values is inclusive collaboration. And we say that uh, we need everybody, that everybody has something of value to bring to our city. And uh, I think what For Evansville is trying to accomplish in focusing specifically on the church and on Christians is um, that we want Christians to show up in our city and to participate in our city in a way that really does advance the common good and that really does add value to everybody in our city. And that really just comes from a deep-seated belief that that has been at the core of For Evansville for a long time, that we believe that... um, Christians have a lot to offer and a lot to give and that the Christian story of Jesus making all things new is the most beautiful and powerful story for creating and motivating that kind of change. And so, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that piece and I'm excited for what I hope will be um, Christians all throughout our city from all walks of life, from all different um, areas of our city uh, recognizing the opportunity that they have to contrib- to contribute and and really love their neighbor in deep and profound ways. Yeah, definitely stay up to date on our uh, social media and our website. Um, we have more of this information coming out. But Jonathan, what is something just from this year, mm. from 2023, what is something that's been one of your favorite things that we've been able to mm. do and been a part of? Yeah. That's a really good question, and it's really hard to pick yeah. just one thing. And so. it doesn't have to be the favorite, just a yeah. favorite. Yeah. I'm, I'm very specific about that because I feel like when we right. say the, it's like it's too, too much, much pressure. pressure. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, uh, one thing that was really cool was uh, the podcast episode that we did with Tim Sorens. Yeah. I really enjoyed that conversation, and kudos to Adrian for just kind of like making that happen Absolutely. almost on a whim. She was like, I'm going to just reach out to him on Instagram and, yeah. and just kind of see. She did it. So uh, so that was really cool. And we're excited to maybe be bringing him to Evansville uh, early next year. So yeah. that'll be fun. And uh, he's he's really great at helping, I think, churches and Christians think about that idea of what's it mean to really be part of your city, to be integrated into your city and not, you know, kind of this separate thing within the church. Uh, we also won our third Emmy award. It's my first. For Evansville, your first. Uh, so that was pretty house. cool and yeah. exciting. Um, and um, yeah, and we had a number of church leader gatherings. We launched the school partnership network, which has been really cool to see new relationships form between churches and schools and um, really some like cool immediate sort of low-hanging fruit kind of wins from those relationships. One of my favorite is uh, a church that um, started buying Squishmallows for uh, kids who had perfect attendance could like enter a drawing to win a Squishmallow for listeners who might not know what that is. It's basically just a really cool stuffed animal. Yeah, that's about right. They're really soft and squishy. Yeah, and so uh, they – but. The cool thing about it is they've seen the attendance rate at the school improve like pretty significantly Mm -hmm. since they started doing that. And it's such a simple 
thing. So well, and it's I think it's important to know that they went to the to the school and said, "Hey, what's a need that is yeah. is here?" And they said, "Attendance. We really yeah. have been struggling with attendance." They're like, "Okay, we have. Let's see what we can do." And this yeah. is the idea they came up with, and they've actually seen numbers increase. And this was just from building a relationship mm-hmm. uh, with the school. Yeah. How about you? Um, so I have a couple that come to mind. I hadn't even thought about the Emmy, but I'm like, oh yeah, what an Emmy yeah, this year. It kind of like, feels like, like a, a long time ago, even does. though it was just a couple months. Um, something comes to mind and this is not a celebration of me, but I think celebration of the work. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes it feels like making connections is, can be really difficult yeah. and sometimes it's really easy. <laughs> yeah. Um, we had, uh, someone come to us from EBSC and say, Hey, you know, there's a, um, an opportunity at this school, uh, Evans, and is, is there any church partners? And so I just went on, we have a, uh, a map that I think Jonathan made a few years ago that has all the churches that are in proximities of different schools. And mm-hmm. I just started reaching out to them. One of them emailed me back immediately and said, I've been trying to connect with a school and just didn't know how. Mm. Um, so I met with him and uh, just learned a little bit about their church and then started a conversation with the principal at Evans we made that connection happen, and now they ended this that school year kind of talking about what they could do starting this school year, and they're still connected. Just yeah. heard that their church, which is a small church, they are not you know a large church that has a lot of uh, maybe financial opportunity to support, but what they did was they just made Rice Krispie treats for all the teachers yeah. like recently, like small things, but I was just like, it's a good reminder that sometimes it just takes yeah. someone connecting. Yeah. And I was really excited to hear that was happening. Um, also, I think I've just been really excited about school partnerships and the idea yeah. of some of the things that we've been a part of. Um, also, I got to visit, Adrian actually visited um, Lodge earlier mm-hmm. this year. And it was one of those that after I left, I could not stop thinking about it. Yeah. It was just was has been on my mind. It's still on my mind. And what's really cool is you've gotten to be connected now with Lodge. And we have a lot of opportunities, we hope, coming into 2024 about yeah. some things that we hope to be a part of that. And it was one of those things that you just learn some of this information that's happening. And you go to a part of, of your city that you're like, I've never been here before. Yeah. I've and there's like a here. whole, there's like a whole other world and story and communities that you didn't know existed in Evansville and it's just like really yeah. incredible. And I say that as like one of my favorite things and knowing that like I love seeing progress happen. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's learning the stories of things that are happening and saying, okay, we can't allow this to continue. What are yeah. we gonna do to help um, you know, change, make this change? And a lot of it's just relationship. A lot of it's connection, um, collaboration, you know, uh, those are things that we try to do, convening people into the same room, which is something that I'm very proud of here recently. I've made a couple of meetings happen. I'm like, how did we get all these people in the yeah. same room <laughs> and one time in December? But yeah, um, yeah even just logistically yes. that feels impossible sometimes, Absolutely. especially this time of year. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's been a fun year. I think a lot of things that, you know, started out, we, we've made jokes in the office of like, that was this year, like that, yeah. that was like two years ago. Right. right. No, but so much of what we've done this year is really setting up for the next multiple years. And yeah. I'm excited about that. Yeah. And I think a lot of that setup has been relationships and building trust with like key partners, uh, that will play a significant role in this unified strategic plan and that's been one of my favorite parts too and that's not something that really ever makes its way onto like a newsletter or something like that but um, I think building the personal relationships between different leaders 
is one of the most important things that we do. And that's something that we've always done since the beginning, you know, since uh, Ross's like initial listening tour, it was like building that trust, not just between for Evansville and those leaders, but amongst those leaders. And so it's been cool, even in recent months, uh, to be in some meetings where uh, really key leaders have said like, hey, I just want you to know, we really value this direction that you're going. And we really we have a lot of trust and confidence in for Evansville. And that has felt really good and, and really humbling. And one of my other favorite interactions, moments like that, was uh, hearing from a leader who is a resident in a neighborhood here and d- doesn't lead like a nonprofit necessarily or anything, anything like that. But um, she was just talking about how she has just personally grown in her ability to show up to collaborative spaces and let her voice and story be heard as somebody who, um, you know, lives in an under resourced neighborhood and um, has overcome a lot of challenges to um, be successful. And uh, I remember I was asking her, you know, about that journey. And she mentioned that uh, hearing from, folks like members of our team uh, who just show up and listen and folks in partner organizations as well who have built that trust and genuinely listen and care what she had to say um, just like empowered her to be to lean into that leadership role and and so I'm excited to see more stories like that happen because I think there are a lot of really um impactful leaders in our city who right now don't feel like they have a voice and don't feel like anybody's listening to their story um, or, or recognize the value that they have to offer to our city. And I'm excited for, uh, for that to shift and for people to feel heard by our city and to feel like their story and their contribution really matters. Yeah. So, and one of the ways that, We'll get to do that is coming up here in January. January 18th, Imagine Evansville. Yeah. It's going to be very exciting. Um, If you've been to an Imagine Evansville before, you kind of know about it, but this is our third Imagine Mm -hmm. Evansville event. And we just basically bring people into a room and say, what if we dreamed what, you know, a a city where everyone flourished, what does that look like? And we've had some specific topics in the past and uh, we'll be doing that, um, announcing some speakers here soon, or I don't know if there's anyone you want to announce at this point. Uh, I think we want to make people go to our website and look. Yeah. I gotta, probably by the time they up. hear this, those speakers might be up. Yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah. go to our website. And I, I think if you go to foreevansville.org slash imagine, that's where the event page yeah. will be. And you can find all those details. Um, but it's it's one of my favorite events that we do because it's such a diverse mix of people from all different walks of life in our city and we invite speakers who have really like hands-on experience in a particular topic and also can speak to what does that topic have to do with like flourishing in our city and so uh yeah I think it's going to be really cool year this year for that yeah everyone's welcome to this event it's always fun and um, opportunities to meet some people that are, you know, the dreamers and doers of Evansville yeah, right. is what we have on our, our language for that. So I'm excited about that. Um, yeah. Anything else as we kind of wrap up that we want to 
celebrate or talk about for 2024, things we want people to know. Obviously, we're always inviting people to join us in this mission, be a partner in what we're doing. And yeah. um, you can support us financially or just learn more about how you can be a part of what's doing, what's going on. Yeah, I would, I would just encourage people to um, connect with us on social media. Make sure you're subscribed to our email list because 2024, I think, is going to be uh, there's just going to be a lot of new opportunities for people to get engaged in really transformative work in our city. And we want to make sure that people have the opportunity to find where they fit in that plan yeah. and, um, and to show up and contribute in meaningful ways. Yeah, you can set up a meeting to hang out with Jonathan. That's right. That's one thing that we talked about. We had a staff retreat um, last week, and one thing that someone on our team said is, celebrating seeing Jonathan step into the role and other people seeing Jonathan as our leader, not just us, but also people in the city are like, Jonathan's leading for Evansville. And it's um, been really fun to see you grow into that and really excited to see you continue to grow in that going into next year. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm honored and excited to be in the role and it's great to work with such a great team. Yes. We just need Adrian back. So That's right. Adrian, please Adrian, come back. Adrian, if you're listening. <laughs> We need you. So I tried to make a website. didn't go well. So I need you to come back. Yeah. Yep. Well, thanks for listening. Follow us on social media. And uh, we'll hope to see you at Imagine Evansville on January 18th. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. We're so excited about all the things that have happened in 2023. And we're even more excited about 2024 and beyond. Again, if you want to find out more details of the strategy that we just talked about, go to foreevansville.org slash forward to learn more.